0: I just think he wants to preach, trying to steal my microphone. (laughs) John, you can come back and preach, man. So uh, let's see. Um, We trust God for the anointing. Uh, And if the anointing doesn't show up, I have my coffee, so you guys are. (laughs) Good morning. Good morning, good morning. Good to see everybody. Excited to be here always, always with our spiritual family. Um, How many uh, were blessed by last week? Wasn't that amazing? I um, love Pastor Randy, um, just the deposit he made in the church. Uh, we're going to continue our series. we're closing it up. We've been on the book of Acts for about two months ish uh, we're coming to a close in my opinion, um, besides the actual promised Holy Spirit showing up, I think what we're going to talk about today is probably uh, one of the most important messages of the entire series um, So I want to lead in with a question, and it's this. Have you ever been a part of something big, something unstoppable? Maybe a championship sports team. Maybe a company that grows rapidly both in size and profitability. Uh, Maybe an election of some sort where uh, you were a part of that team and you guys won by a landslide. Uh, Have you ever been a part of something like that? Um, I know your mind is on search. I can think of one such time where I had just moved from a little tiny island of Guam that nobody had ever heard of. I grew up with a family Florida, with my dad. It was just me and him. All my other siblings were grown up. My parents were divorced, so it was just me and my dad. And so I felt like I had these shoes to fill. I was in junior high, get to Florida, arrive at this junior high school Called Lewis Junior High. The Fighting Falcons was our name. Not the Eagles, just the Falcons. (laughs) We heard a lot about the Eagles this morning. (laughs) Pastor Matt said. "Mm -hmm." (laughs) And so I get to this junior high school, and this junior high school already has a pedigree. They established themselves in 1975. Every year, Every year, even the year I was there, from that point I arrived and found out that they had won every championship in their county. And so I'm thinking, you know, wow, I'm already part of this pedigree, this school. uh, And I'm thinking, man, this is going to be easy, right? So, of course, you compete for your position. Uh, Well, that year, we won one game (laughs) and lost 13. And so uh, I thought, I don't know what happened here. That was my seventh grade year. Then my eighth grade year came around. And we got back on track, and we went undefeated, and we won a, another championship. And I tell you, it, we were unstoppable. Now, I know you're thinking this is nothing pro level or whatever, but how many here, this is for the fathers, okay, and the dads, and, and the men. How many here you play Pop Warner football? Come on, all right, Come, on, hey, come on, this, hey, this is it. This is your moment. How many play junior high football? A few of us. Okay, how many play high school football? All right, okay, like Al Bundy says, those are the glory days, okay? And if you don't know who Al Bundy is, never mind, because I'm already showing my age. You guys are going to start looking them up. Okay, yeah, really, don't even worry about it. And so it was, it was such an easy season. I mean, it was, it was something to be proud of at such a young age. Some of the games were so embarrassingly uh, favorable towards us that they had a mercy rule that if you are winning by 28 points, they just end the game. There's no use in in playing anymore. So that was the team that I was a part of. My claim to fame uh, is that uh, eight players from my junior high school team went on to play Division I college uh, out of Florida. Uh, And so the reputation was wherever the the kids from that that junior high goes, that high school will eventually go on to win that championship. I would like to say that um, that trend... Uh, rang true, because in my junior year, um, we went on to win the state championship in in class 5A. We were, according to ESPN, ranked number 13 in the nation. Unfortunately, I only played six games because I got hurt. (laughs) And so, uh, but hey, you know, I'll I'll claim that championship. I was was part, but anyway, but have you been a part of something big and exciting and unstoppable like that? And I'm here to tell you that if you are here today, you are already a part of something that is unstoppable. And so you might be wondering, what is that? I'll tell you, it's more unstoppable than an eighth grade football team. It's more unstoppable than a popular candidate. It's more popular than Apple and whoever else you might find yourself investing in, and you might be wondering, what is that? More unstoppable than Michael Jordan and the Chicago Bulls in his heyday. <laughs> Just saying, some of you don't know about that reference. I know I'm going to get some follow-up after this, uh, after this uh, message, but according to the Bible, we do. We have something that's Unstoppable. And it's changing the entire world. And it has been ever since the Bible was written. No power can oppose it. No force can slow it down. Nothing can resist it. And wherever it goes, it will grow and change everything. What is it? It's the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it's changed the world and it's continuing to change the world. Today I want to talk about the unstoppable power of the gospel. Now let me get us caught up um, and then I'm going to try to go through this fast because there's something I want to do at the end. For the last two months we've been going through the book of Acts which is the New Testament account of the birth, the growth, and the impact of what we know as the Christian church. It begins with the ascension of Jesus and the promised arrival of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost And throughout the book of Acts, we see that the Holy Spirit plays this central role in empowering the believers to spread the message of the gospel and to perform signs and wonders. We're going to reference that verse here in a bit. The Holy Spirit's power is obvious and it's evident that without him, there would be no explosive growth in the church. Through the Holy Spirit, there's been conversion and transformation of countless lives, including some of our own, and the boldness and courage displayed by the early believers was also because of the Holy Spirit showing up on the scene. The book of Acts highlights the the transformative impact of the Holy Spirit on both the church as a whole and on the lives of believers individually our collective lives because of what God does in us. We come together in a place like this corporately and it's dynamite, it's power. And so Paul's conversion to Christianity was a transformative event that shaped the rest of his life. Before this, he was known as Saul of Tarsus who was a zealous, on a mission persecutor of Christians and persecutor of the church, even being responsible for the death of Christians. And one day on his way to, to Damascus, he has this encounter with Jesus Christ that completely, completely changed him. Saul was blinded by a bright light. You might know the story. And he heard this voice that was Jesus saying, Saul, why do you persecute me? And he says, who are you, Lord? And he says, I'm Jesus, the one you are directly persecuting. At this point, he realizes that he's been persecuting the very Son of God. From that moment on, Paul became a devoted follower of Christ. He was discipled by an average guy. Say average guy. By an average guy named Ananias. It didn't say he was a leader. It didn't say he was an apostle. It didn't say he owned anything. It just said this dude named Ananias discipled this guy named Saul. If you can imagine, Getting that assignment from God. Hey, there's a guy named Saul who I want you to disciple. Saul who, God? Saul of Tarsus. No. He's killing people. He's going to do the, Imagine getting that. And so this average guy disciples this world changer. Paul travels extensively spreading the gospel. He goes on several missionary journeys. You've been following us. He establishes churches. He's writing letters, uh, encouraging them. All... While being persecuted and going through the roughest time of his life, yet he called it all gain if it was for Christ. And along the way, as I just mentioned, he would encounter many extreme hardships, including imprisonment, including persecution, and moments where he should have died. How many here, you don't like critters? Oh, you guys love critters. All right. Anybody ever found a scorpion in your house? Okay. I found a scorpion in my house yesterday in the bathroom that's supposed to be a peaceful place and I was interrupted you know how that goes it's supposed to be a peaceful place I hate when you're never mind when you're in there and somebody and you're like I'm in here Right? What do you do? Anyways, I saw a scorpion. I texted my sister right away, man, we got to do something about this. When I lived in Guam, we had a problem with um, uh, brown tree snakes. Now, you might have heard in the media, Guam has a problem with snakes. It's decimated the birds. Um, We had beautiful, colorful birds, tropical birds. You can now walk into the jungle and listen and hear nothing because these snakes have wiped out. mountain so I have many stories and many videos of me conquering snakes the tree snakes that I was killing were not even poisonous paul was bitten by snakes and in the book of acts there's stories of him you know shaking the snake off and people are thinking he's this guy must be evil cuz first he's shipwrecked shows up on the beach he's trying to put wood in the fire gets bit by a snake He shakes it off. Now they're saying, oh, this guy's wicked. He's going to die. But then he doesn't. Now they think he's a god. And now they're, you know, going out of their way to to help him and serve him. And it's a crazy story. But the apostle Paul went through all these things, times where he should have been dead. But despite all the challenges, Paul still remained steadfast in his faith. Today I want to start off in Acts chapter 28, verse 30 and 31. This is the last two verses of the book of Acts, we're going to jump right in, it says this, for two whole years, Paul stayed there in his own rented house, and welcomed all who came to see him, he proclaimed the kingdom of God, and taught about the Lord Jesus Christ, with all boldness, say boldness, say it with boldness, say boldness, Boldness. there you go, this side say boldness, Uh, this side say boldness. boldness, there you go. I just didn't want them out, do you? Because there's less on this side, but they were louder, just saying. Boldness and without hindrance. Thank you. Come on, that's what I'm talking about. But you know what's crazy? This is kind of a weird ending because it doesn't say how Paul dies. Uh, Also, the disciple, the apostle Peter, it doesn't say how, how he dies. And the author is a Gentile doctor named Luke, who's a great historian. He has a particular writing style. The way he writes the Book of Luke, he also, uh, you know, as he's uh, talking about the account of Jesus, he kind of mimics that same kind of writing style with Paul. And it's interesting that Paul started his missionary journey, gets uh, saved. He starts in Jerusalem. And he travels, and we know he had about four or five missionary journeys. He comes back around, and now he's back at Jerusalem. Uh, Two weeks ago, if you remember the story, the Holy Spirit was very clear that when you go there, there is nothing waiting for you except persecution and um, and detainment. And yet Paul still went. And all of his friends who came far to see him, because they knew this would be the last time they would ever see his face, and they said, Paul... Don't go, don't go. And he says, "I'm going." The Holy Spirit had already told him. A matter of fact, Paul loves to talk about his chains. If I didn't know any better, it'd sound like a brag. But we know Paul; it's not. But he talks about the chains that he's in. Before he left, there was a prophecy. Um, uh, one of his people said, Paul, uh, "Paul, take off your belt." Takes off his belt, and he wraps his hands, and he says. The, Lord, the Holy Spirit says that whoever owns this belt is going to be bound this, just like this. How would you like to get a prophetic word like that? But Paul goes. And there's no real clear ending to this. Now, we were talking about this this morning. Me and Pastor Matt and, and uh, Pastor Johnny. Where's he at? <laughs> but we were talking about how historical tradition and church tradition We can follow that and come to a conclusion. We know what happened to the Apostle Paul. We know what happened to Peter. Paul was beheaded. Peter was crucified upside down. He didn't feel worthy to be crucified the way his Savior Jesus was crucified. He said, if you're going to crucify me like Jesus, then turn me upside down because I'm not worthy to experience the death that he did. What would make somebody take on a mindset like that? It's got to be the Holy Spirit. But what's interesting is this story is not clearly ended. And I think there's a reason why. The reason why is because the story is still being written. The gospel hasn't stopped. God is, they, they call the book of Acts the Acts of the Apostles or the Acts of the Holy Spirit. How many know God is still acting? And he's still doing powerful things. And so there's a chapter 29... With Dennis's name on it. There's a chapter 30 with Eric's name on it. There's a chapter 31. How many know what I'm talking about? This is what we're talking about. The unstoppable gospel. It has not. There's been governments and kingdoms that have tried to shut down the word of God. And the move of God. And it has not worked since. Matter of fact, every time it, they try or something. Something comes against the move of God. The move of God goes even stronger. I don't think that's coincidence so in this verse that we just read paul is under house arrest he's paying the rent for this house for two years the bible says and uh and during this time paul um is bound to a uh to a roman guard so uh they say that they might have done shifts of six hours and so here's paul under house arrest and there's a guard and paul is chained to this to this guard but you know, I can't help but to think that it was the other way. <laughs> the guard was chained to Paul because Paul wouldn't shut up and he wouldn't stop. And regardless of all the punishment and persecution he goes through, he just, he's, I mean, he's, he's our dream guy, the church's dream guy. The guy who goes and preaches, he'll go anywhere, he'll eat anything, he'll get bit, he'll get, get up, he'll get shipwrecked, he'll swim to shore. And do it all over again. And that's, that's the Apostle Paul that we're, that we're talking about. And so his life, the reason why I want to end this series with him is because his life exemplifies as a powerful example of how somebody whose life is transformed uh, and the unstoppable power of the gospel, the effect on, on his life and the impact that one person can have if they would just submit to God. If I can sum up Christianity in one word, it would be submission. And we don't like that word, do we? We don't like that word. Wives, we don't like that word, do we? That's another sermon. But my wife's like, I get the backup sermon to yours if you preach that, so... Paul's life was a powerful example. And of all the messages in this series, like I said as we started, I feel this one is just as important as when the Holy Spirit was birthed. It was one of the greatest gifts given to the church. And it's available to us today. We're building a kingdom that would not be possible without the power and the assistance of the Holy Spirit. And we, like we were talking about a couple of weeks ago, we try to talk our way out of seeing God move and feeling the, the move of God and the, the power of the Spirit. And we, and, and we kind of reason our way out of those things. I'm telling you, there is no other way this is going to happen. If you think you've got it, sorry. If you think we've got it, I'm sorry. Without the power of the Holy Spirit, it will not happen. And so I want to do I want to give you three practical things, say practical. Because I feel like this is important, I want to make this as easy and as practical practicable, uh, practicable <laughs> practical as possible. Three things that we can learn from the life of Paul. The first one is going to be a little bit challenging. And it's this, live the gospel. Live the gospel. It's more than talking about it. It's more than reading about it. To actually live the gospel. To do that, we must first understand what the gospel is. The gospel appears about 100 times in the New Testament, depending on which, which uh, translation you're reading. Uh, the Greek word is euenglion. It basically means good news or a good message. Gospel is the good news. The gospel is a good message. It's the message that God is holy and that humanity, you and I, we're not. That God is all the way good and even on our best day, as good as we can be, we still fall terribly short of a holy God. I was in a conversation the other day uh, and uh, I was overhearing... um, I'm trying to remember how this went. But in the conversation, the understanding was that people are basically good. And we might come to this conclusion because if somebody had a flat tire in the parking lot, we'd have several people to go out and go and help. Right? But if you think man is basically good, I dare you to leave your wallet out on the bench outside overnight. Right? Or I dare you to go to sleep with your door unlocked if man is basically good. To a holy God We fall terribly short. You can think of the most holiest person. Most people say the Pope. And how many times do you think, because we know nobody's perfect, how many times do you think the Pope would sin in a day? He would tell you, I'm not perfect. I sin. Just for math's sake, because I'm mathematically challenged, let's just say he sins, I don't know, 10 times a day, right? Maybe he got mad a couple times. Maybe he got bit by a snake. I don't know. Right? How many days in a year? 365 times 10, mathematicians. Just add the zeros. What is it? How old is the Pope? He's got to be in, ah, he's old. 70, 90, you know, I don't know. Okay? He's up there in his years. That whatever, that 300 times 90 years. How many sins is that? But we say man is basically good. That's the best we can get. A man named the Pope. Mother Teresa, I bet she would have been the same. This is the gospel. That we fall terribly short. And we have no chance without a holy God doing something about it. The good news... The gospel is this. He did something about it. He made a way where you and I have, we don't deserve what we get. And he made a way where we can have it. Because of what he did on the cross. What his God knows. And he loves you so much, he'll do anything. Not only did, uh, will he do anything, he did everything. It's already done. Now all we got to do is accept it. That's the good news. And that's the news that the world does not know. I don't know how long I lived my life doing religious things because I didn't know any better. There were certain prayers that I did. There were certain kind of rituals I would do. And I don't even know those things fall terribly short. But how was I supposed to know that somebody told me? And finally, it was my sister who somebody shared with her and she came home and instead of being mad at me like she always was, she was so nice. She said, Roland, I went to this church and I got born again and I was like, what the heck is that? And she said, I received Jesus and if you don't receive Jesus, you're not going to heaven and I was scared out of my mind. I said, I want to receive Jesus and she shared the good news and I got saved. First time I was a little kid, barely understood it but I just knew I was, I was going to heaven. That's, that's all I cared about, right? Say good news. If you have a story and you've experienced Jesus, you have good news. What did the gospel do? It saved them from eternal separation from God. Thank you, Lord. I got my ticket. I hope you do too. But another thing the gospel did was it changed them. The gospel has the power to change. Acts 2, 42 and 47 says and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship to the breaking of bread and prayers and all came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles all who believed were together and had all things in common they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need and day by day attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes They received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God, having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. These three simple things we're talking about today, I promise you, it's not all you can do, but I'm saying it's... it's, Maybe the least we can do. There's a lot more we can do, but if we did these three things, I'm telling you, we will watch this church change. We will watch this city change little by little, and you will be in the game. I hated playing back up. Anybody know that feeling? When your family comes to watch you, you're like, no, I'm not I'm not starting today. Right? But I'll get in there, maybe in the second quarter. Depends how many points we're up. Say, get in the game. One of the reasons the gospel is so important, it it should change lives. It should change lives. We could talk about Christianity all we want, but what about the change? What about the change? When we recognize that the only thing we deserve is death, but, say but, This is a a big but. This is like, oh my God, Becky. But God chose to give us life instead. It affects the way we live, or at least it should. We live the gospel through our words, through our actions, through our attitudes. And as you can see from the scripture, another way the gospel works here that we just read Is number two, connect with others. Live the gospel, connect with others. Jesus didn't wait for people to come to him. He walked from village to village looking for people on the road, in the marketplaces, in the synagogues, at water wells, in fields, on lakes. Private homes, public places, at wedding feasts, at funerals. Jesus was where the people were. And I don't know about you, sometimes I get challenged. I love being here. We all do. We love seeing each other. I love the fellowship and the love when we, when we first see each other. I feel like we're living the Bible, you know, but sometimes we got to get outside that's what the church was created to do, was to be outside. Wherever the people were, Jesus went. The good shepherd was looking for lost sheep. And in the same manner, Jesus sends out us into the world to connect with people. And as we go through, uh, throughout our days, our paths cross with strangers. Our paths cross with those who are hurting. Our paths cross with those who are celebrating. Our paths cross with those who are confused and just not sure. Those within our relational spheres, family, friends, neighbors, co-workers, classmates, club members, you name it. Maybe you frequent a business all the time and you get to know the the workers. Those are all opportunities. Acts 4.32-35 says this, Now the full number of those who believed were of one heart and one soul. We're talking about connecting with others. They connected so well. They were of one heart and one soul. And no one said that any of the things that belonged to him was his own. But they had everything in common. Everything in common. Those are some strong words. They had everything in common. And with great power, the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And great grace was upon them all. Verse 34, there was not a needy person among them. For as many as were owners of lands or houses sold them and, and brought the proceeds of what was sold and laid it at the apostles' feet. And it was just distributed to each as any had need. I think the Bible has a, a pretty good design on how to grow a church. You know, Rick Warren is the pastor of Saddleback Church. And at one point, he was the fastest growing church uh, in America. And they asked him, what is your secret at being so successful in growing this church to, to where, you've, where you guys have, have come to? And he said this, here's how we did it. I encourage my people to do what, do what they love, do what you love, and do it with an unbeliever. You like surfing? You love surfing. Do it with an unbeliever. You like crocheting? I don't know, I'm just throwing it out there. Do it with an unbeliever. Right? You like riding a bike? Do it with an unbeliever. How many like eating? Oh, Lord, I feel the strategy. Do it with an unbeliever. Connect with people. Be intentional. I get it. Sometimes we, we have that battle of, you know, um, man, am I being like honest? You know, um, I've been a part of several multi level marketing um, companies. And so I've been guilty of going, yeah, man, we should hang out, right? And then they show up, yeah, man, how's that milkshake? Yeah, by the way, I wanted to show you this plan. (laughs) I was good at it, I'm just saying. I was good. I was good. I had some awards, I had, you know, some checks to show, and I was good. And so sometimes Christianity can feel that way, can't it? But when you replace that motive with something called love, then the best thing you can do for anybody if you love them is to give the truth. And it's that simple. And even if you have to say, man, look, I may never have a chance to do this again, man. I'm just going to go for it. I don't know if you know this, man. I'm a Christian. I serve God. And, man, I just have this message. I'm just going to tell you this once. You can tell me to shut up after this. But here. And I've had people tell me, shut up. I say, cool, see you next week. <laughs> and we continue to do what we love. Connect with people. Now, I know this can be controversial, but it is a right. And so me and our uh, my men's life group, we... Um, can get quite busy. And so one of the things that was always challenging us was, man, we're just not reaching lost people. You know, we, we, we're so busy with our families. We're busy with jobs and ministry, and we don't get around enough, enough lost people. And so we said, what can we do that's creative that can, anybody could can just show up if they wanted? And so we got a couple of guys who were good with, uh, with guns, with firearms. And I get it, it's not for everybody, so look, just excuse me. Um, but you know what? Now we go out every once in a while, and we invite people to show up, and we teach them, and they learn. You know, we have a couple of good sharpshooters, you know, um, that I get provoked by, you know. Uh, it was funny because the last time we went out, I wasn't there at the last last one, but before that, um, they, they get this uh, one target uh, that can only be, uh, if you hit it, it will only kind of explode into smoke uh, by a, kind of a higher power firearm, right? And so my son Zion, it was so funny because there was this, It's the color is pink, right? And so Zion is is shooting, and I have my phone. It's hot, the sun, you know, the glare off your phone. And I'm like, I I got you, Zion. Uh, You know, I'm recording, and he hits it. It was as far out as can be, and he hits it. Boom, everybody goes, ah, wow, ah, you know. And I'm like, I got it, I got it. And when I go back and look at the video, there was a helium can that was colored pink that I was focused on. And I totally miss the excitement of my son nailing that target. Imagine working up. Everyone's like, oh, he got it on camera. They're pointing at me. We're high-fiving. And then I have to say, um, yeah, I blew it. But if it's that, if it's going to play basketball with Eric and Chris, yeah, I got one good fast break in me, bro. After that, I'll cherry pick the rest of the game. (laughs) Whether it's Caleb and playing cards, collector's cards, and connect with people. Ephesians 4.15, we're coming to a close. I'm going to give you the last point and then we're going to pray. Ephesians 4.15 says, speak the truth in love. We're to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ. We're talking about a body here. We're talking about Jesus being the head. And from whom the whole body. Say, joined and held together. Say it again. Joined and held together. By every. How many every's do we have here? If you're an every, raise your hand. If you're included in the every, raise your hand. (laughs) Some people are like. I'll get you later. Watch. Joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped. When each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. We're not just connecting for the sake of connecting. We're connecting for the sake of building. Some of the darkest times and moments of my life. I would not have made it had I not had a life group. I would not have made it had I not had brothers and sisters who stood with me. Our purpose is to be a community of believers and witnesses testifying about all the good things Jesus has done for us. You might think, what am I going to say? I don't know. How about what Jesus has done for you? Well, I don't know what that is. You're going to heaven, right? Start there. And here's point number three. Point number three, after you connect with people, share the gospel. And here we go, multi-level marketing. I know what you're saying, you know, I just invited them and now I really have to, that's really the reason. But remember, you're loving them. You're loving them. At the beginning of this series, we saw that in the book of Acts, it was centered around a key verse, Acts 1.8. It says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be not you might be or you could be or you should be. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you will be my witnesses. You'll receive power and be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. But don't worry about the rest of the world. Start in your own. Start in your own. Start with your neighbor. One thing we'd like to do is we love to cook food and then just show up at a neighbor's house. Yeah, hey man, just try this. See ya. And then they do it back. We're like, hey, we'll take that food. The disciples watched as Jesus was taken up to heaven, but he didn't leave the disciples by themselves. The Spirit came at Pentecost. They received power to be a witness, and the church was born. And the church continues. And the church is just as powerful then uh, today as it was then. Throughout the book of Acts, we see disciples engaging in meaningful conversation with others. In love and compassion, we can share our story, the story of Jesus with others. And remember, we don't do this in our own power. There's someone called the helper. And Jesus said, if I'm going to send anybody, it's this dude right here. This is who you need. He will empower you to be a witness. So when we're sharing, it's not out of our own strength. It's so through the power of the Holy Spirit. And after you speak, you are not responsible for what happens. And that's what we get caught up with, huh? We think, oh, it didn't work, and we kind of get, Jesus is saying, no, 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 that's my part. Your part is to share. Your part is to plant seed. I bring the increase. I'll bring the water. and You can water in prayer, but Jesus says, I bring the increase. Paul was always on mission. Even while detained on house arrest, Paul was chained to the Roman guards like we talked about. But it's ironic that the man who made it his life's mission To kill Christians, to stop the church, God ends up picking him up, smacking him around and dropping him on the ground and saying, you're going to be mine. The guy who was trying to stop the church is now the guy growing it. It's funny. I think God has a pretty neat sense of humor. And you might be thinking, "Oh, oh, you don't know my brother. Oh, you don't know my auntie. She, oh, she mean. She'll never, God will never, yes, yes, he can. And he will. Do not give up. Amen. Um, here's what I want to do. I want to take just maybe the next um, four or five minutes. Um, if we, we could all stand up. Let me just uh, give you some instruction. I'm going to put something up on the screen. The three points that we talked about, again, I wanted them to be very, very practical, very easy. Um, And I get it, maybe uh, you're new here, and maybe this doesn't even make sense to you, I understand. What I want to do is get into groups of maybe uh, four, five at the most, okay? Um, And then we're going to tackle this right here. Which one of the following points resonates with you right now, and why? Why? Um, it could be something good. It could be something bad. It could be something challenging. It could be something that you do well. What resonates with you, okay? And then we'll spend the next few minutes. Uh, try to get be, uh, uh, try to be considerate and allow everyone uh, to speak if they get a chance. And if you aren't comfortable, just say, "Hey guys, I would just rather uh, hear your answers for today," and we'll be totally cool with that, okay? Let's do this for the next three or four minutes, and then we'll close in prayer, and then um, and we'll go from there. So. Everybody be outgoing and pull your group together. Invite somebody, even if you don't know them. Call them over. Introduce yourselves. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Thank you, Lord. God, you're incredible. Jesus, you're incredible. Holy Spirit, you're incredible. Lord, thank you. You're doing great things among us. Lord, thank you. You're changing us. Lord, thank you. You're empowering us. Bless your people. Bless your church, oh God. All right, let's start to bring it to a close. Start to bring it to a close. If somebody in your group is still talking, point at your watch. Point at your watch. If like, yo, 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 hey, pastor's talking, yo. (laughs) All right. All right. Can I get everybody's attention? Everybody do this. Everybody hold a finger up in the sky like this, like you're pointing to Jesus. And then bring it down in front of your mouth like this alright, thank you, thank you I just want to pray a blessing over us Father, thank you for Every Nation Church Las Vegas Lord, I thank you that if we would live the gospel not just, not just lip service if we would live the gospel Lord, you'll bring change to those around us Lord, you would help us connect with others and Lord, give us a chance to share, even just a little bit Live the gospel, connect with others, then share the gospel. Lord, help us to do that. And I, Lord, I thank you that by this time next year, Lord, we could possibly see this place double. And Lord, that's our faith. Lord, to see this church grow. That Lord, we would impact the world starting with our own, whether it be a neighbor whether it be a co-worker, whether it be that friend that we made uh, that we made friends with at the, at the, I don't know, grocery store, gas station, whatever it is. Put it on our hearts to step out in faith and bless our efforts, God, we pray. Bless every nation, church. We love you, church. We'll see you in life groups this week, and we'll see you right here next week. God bless you.